Hey everyone, what's up? It's Jeff from Modern Combat Serial Magazine, and welcome to podcast episode number 255. Now this week I'm happy to introduce you to a new instructor in our network, Brian Morris, and he's got a ton of experience that I'm really excited to share with you. Now this week we talk about how to stay under the radar when you're traveling abroad, but so many of these tips apply to even just traveling around your own local area during times where you don't want to be noticed by criminals or other societal predators out there. So check it out. It's a long one but I know you're going to get a lot out of it. And don't forget to grab this week's free show notes, including a handy-dandy one-page cheat sheet covering all the main points. All you have to do is head on over to www.mcsmagazine.com slash 255 and download it all absolutely free. And now, on with the show. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. If a dozen people died in a foreign country within a few weeks of each other, and the only thing they had in common was that they were Americans, would you be suspicious that foul play was involved? Well, that's exactly what's going on in the Dominican Republic, where a series of strange deaths coupled by suspicious behavior on the part of the government there has people wondering what they're trying to cover up. Is it tainted alcohol? Is it a conspiracy to poison Americans deliberately? Is there something larger at play that we just don't know about yet? A lot of people are wondering, and even more Americans are worrying, that this is a symptom of a larger problem. The fact is, when you're an American traveling abroad, It may very well be that you're walking around with a big giant target on your back that could turn a tranquil vacation or business trip into a very dangerous situation. So what do you look for when you're traveling abroad or even in an unfamiliar neighborhood that might label you as a target of opportunity for criminals or terrorists? How do you better blend in and be the unidentifiable gray man when you're traveling in an unfamiliar area? And what are the warning signs when you're being spotted? And once you've been targeted, how do you escape and evade your pursuers? Well, that's exactly what we're here to find out today. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And to answer these questions about becoming the gray man abroad, we're here to welcome Brian Morris to the program. Brian, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you, Jeff. I'm glad to be here. No, I am really excited to. I've been checking out your stuff lately as soon as we got you uh, scheduled here, and I'm really, uh, really excited to bring your, your training and your experience to everybody uh, here. So listen, everybody, um, Brian is a retired U.S. Army Special Forces Master Sergeant. Serving on active duty for over 25 years, he spent the majority of his time in service as a Green Beret. He's a decorated combat veteran who served multiple tours in Afghanistan during the global war on terror since September 11, 2001. Now, Brian has been deployed all over Africa, Bosnia, Iraq, Kuwait, Korea, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, and Europe. And Brian is also taught at the Survival Evasion Resistance and Escape School, the SEER School, eventually taking over a SEER committee as the non-commissioned officer in charge of training, and then later was tasked to write SEER doctrine for the Army Special Forces, including the Army Special Forces Resistance and Escape Manual and the U.S. Army Special Forces Personnel Recovery Manual. On top of all that, Brian is an expert and master briefer in anti-terrorism and personal security techniques, tactics, and procedures. And he holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in Homeland Security from the American Military University. 
After retiring from the Army in 2012, he spent a year in Afghanistan working as counterinsurgency advisor to the International Security and Assistance Force Commander. And after returning to the United States in 2013, Brian spent several years working as the Chief Personnel Recovery Advisor for the U.S. Army Special Operations Command. And during this time, he wrote his first book on terrorism awareness called The Green Beret Pocket Guide, which was published in 2014. After being diagnosed with leukemia in 2015, he took two years to fight his way into remission. And by 2016, he was back to writing with his second book, Spec Op Shooting, being published in 2016, as well as taking on a monthly writing assignment to American Survival Guide magazine, and he still contributes to that publication today. Now, in 2018, Brian's third book, Spec Ops Bushcrafting, was published, and today Brian runs Knuckle Dragger Survival, a school of self-reliance, personal protection, survival, and emergency preparedness out in North Carolina. And you can learn more about Brian and his training by visiting him online at www.knuckledraggersurvival.com. Brian, I know that was an exhausting bio, but man, you got so you have so much like targeted experience in this area that we're talking about today that um, I do. I wanted everybody to know, like, get out your notebooks, everyone. <laughs> like, get out a pen, get ready to take some stuff down here. But I think, uh, Brian, the first the first thing I think that we have to really kind of understand is. I think when people travel overseas, especially if it's something that they're doing for vacation, everybody just kind of goes into, oh, I'm in, I'm in uh, paradise mode, you know, and, and we, we kind of let the guard down a little bit. So if you can, like, let us, why are Americans potentially at a greater risk abroad than maybe other people from other countries? Yeah, right, Jeff. And thank you for the intro and uh, some kind words of you. But uh, yeah, so let's start off with that. So you know, it's funny because in America, people tend to see themselves a lot differently than we're, than, you know, we're perceived overseas. So like here, you know, we label ourselves, right? So I'm a liberal or I'm a conservative. And, and we actually, we believe that so much that we think that, that, you know, some, some dude overseas that, that doesn't like America is going to somehow, you know, if, if you're against the president, somehow he's going to like give you a pass, you know, and he's waiting for the guy with the, uh, you know, make America great again hat to, to target. And it's just not like that. The fact is that, you know, if somebody has something against us as a country, it's generally us as a whole. They don't see us as, you know, any individuals. They see us as representing, uh, you know, everything that they're against, basically. So if they feel oppressed or they feel like, you know, uh, our, our policies in the United States or even our actions militarily or economically have hurt them, a lot of times they become, you know, these days what we talk about is radicalized, right? Radicalized Islam is, is one of our uh, key um, enemies right now. But, you know, it's going to change. Everything changes, but it's all cyclical. It doesn't really matter. The point is there's always going to be somebody that, that, you know, the haves are always going to be hated by the have-nots. It's just the way it is. And, you know, we have to protect ourselves. Now, the good news is what is an American, right? When it comes to actually visually identifying somebody, I mean, it's, it's not that easy. I can easily pretty much say, you know, when I'm walking around in China or in Seoul, Korea, you know, you, you could tell if you're, if you're black or Caucasian, you know, and you're towering over everybody that you walk around, it's pretty easily obvious that you're an American, but in other places like Europe, you know, unless you're opening your mouth, I mean, it's, it, you're not going to exactly stand out that much. Now, what's the problem with that is that a lot of Americans, when they go on vacation, you're right, they do put their blinders on. And then, you know, everybody's heard that term, the ugly American, you know, the guy 
with uh, the red, white, and blue shorts and T-shirt and, and the giant camera. And, uh, you know, he's got the margarita in one hand and, and, and he's, uh, you know, shooting his, his six-shooter in the other hand, screaming, God bless America, in the middle of some place that may not feel that strongly about our country as we do. So if the thing is that you want to do is you want to be the gray man, but you can't always physically be the gray man, right? Because like I said, if you're, you know, if you are uh, walking around in Senegal, Africa, and you've got blonde hair and blue eyes, you're going to stand out. I mean, there's no being the gray man. So the idea is just to not bring a lot of attention to yourself. The good thing is that, you know, unless you're in North Korea or, or Iran, most places, you know, are, are open to people of other ethnicities coming into their country. It's not a rare thing to see. So just because you do have blonde hair and blue eyes and you're in China, for instance, doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to stand out. There are actually a lot of Westerners living and working in China. So it's very common to see. So it really comes down to how you dress and how you behave, you know, and those are the kind of things that are going to make you stand out. And the important thing is to mitigate that by you know, so it's different things for different things. Like you said, um, you might we might be in countries where maybe the politics um, are make Americans more of a of a target over there. Um, I know also I used to do a lot of security work down in Mexico City, and before mm-hmm. the security briefing I did before I went down there was like don't even think about getting into a taxi. Like just getting out of the airport, getting into a taxi pretty much meant you were going to just wind up in an alley and then all of a sudden five guys were going to come out and pull you out of the taxi and take everything that you had. Right. Also like, you know, um, kidnapping just for extortion. And sure. Things. You know, you can do an internet search. You can, you can just find out about where you're staying and, and what the best area is. There's a lot of books out there and websites that, uh, you know, can give you that information. Believe it or not, our own government has a pretty decent website if you go to uh if you go and check out um the uh the cia fact book it's got a lot of good information there um you can go to homeland security uh into the website there and and just follow them down to the state department when you get to the state department you go to the country that you want and they'll give you all the the current warnings so if there's any kind of travel warnings within the country you can get it right there on the internet you can do a good internet search just as you're making your travel plans and then just decide, you know, how your itinerary from there, if it's a, if it's a pleasure trip, if it's a business trip, obviously there are going to be areas that you have to go to, but you can mitigate that risk by understanding, you know, what the threats are, because that's really 90% of it right there is just knowing what's out there. If you, if you know what the threats are in any given area before you go there, you're going to have good situational awareness when you get there and you're going to be, anticipating those things from happening instead of just walking around with a bag over your head and, and basically waiting to be victimized. And the next thing you can do is, you know, think about your trip from start to finish. You know, there's a lot of things that you can do to, and I use the word mitigate a lot because really that's what we're doing. We're, we're cutting down the risk factors. You know, we do this in, in the special operations. You, you mitigate risk all the time and you think about it, you know, one of them obviously is that intelligence of calling ahead and finding out what's going on, getting on the internet, Looking up, seeing what the travel warnings are there, calling the hotel, finding out, you know, where you where you choose to uh, to stay. A good thing you could do too is like, you know, don't take anything for granted. Just assume that everybody is in on whatever issues uh, you might come up against. For instance, if you make a hotel reservation, you can't assume that the hotel, you know, maitre d, isn't 
paid off by the guy that's going to walk into your room and rip you off, right? So maybe, or, or maybe that, that, that room is rigged, that, that lock is rigged, and he's, the other guy's got a key. So what I like to do is I like to change things up. So when I get into a country that, you know, was expecting me, if they put me in a room, you know, 201, I asked for 307 or, or whatever, or a different room, a different floor. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to take all the different risk factors into consideration. So you've got terrorism, you've got theft, crime, you've got fire, right? So if you, if you are going to a country where uh, there's a high rise and you happen to know that they have a, you know, it's a third world country that has like the crappiest uh, fire department and maybe the ladder is never going to get past the sixth floor and you get a 15th floor, uh, you know, room, that might not be the best idea because, you know, in third world countries, pretty much everybody smokes cigarettes, which makes the chances of a building burning down, you know, a lot higher. Well, let's talk about when we've got like our, you know, we've got boots on the ground now. We're in a, we're in a city, we've arrived, we've made prior arrangements. So we're there, we're walking around doing the things that we want to do. What are, what are some of the things that um, would give us a way to others around us that were not from around there that we could possibly be a target? Like what are some of the mistakes that, that. Okay. So you're not going to be able to travel and just be on your guard all the time and not have a good time. Or you're just, I mean, it doesn't really make life worth living. If that's your intent is to go on vacation. I mean, you don't want to be, you know, uh, sitting in a corner waiting for bad guys to come in when you should be drinking a margarita and enjoying yourself. And that's not really always the case, but you do, want to understand what your security situation is. So by having a good understanding of your operational environment, you will know when to ratchet it up or bring it down to promise dimmers, right? So if you know that you have multiple security rings between yourself and anybody that can harm you, you can probably lower your guard a little bit, you know? But if you are exposed, let's say you're in, let's use Mexico again, right? So you're, you're in, in a downtown Mexico City and you just came out of a show with your wife and now you need to walk, you know, five blocks to your hotel. You decide it's a nice night. We're going to walk, right? Do you know what area you're walking through? Do you know if it belongs to gangs? And when I say that, I mean, are they the ones that really control those streets? You just targeted yourself big time if you don't understand what the crime situation is in the area that you're walking. So if you do know that, it's not necessarily that you can't do it, but you better be ready to deal with any threat that could possibly come your way. And by doing that, I mean, you need to know what is the, you know, gang's most likely course of action. What are they going to do? What have they done in the past? You know, and I'm not saying that everything that's happened in the past is indicative of what's going to happen in the future, but it's a good, you know, rule of thumb to go by. So understanding who the crime operators are in the area that you're going to and who the, you know, like if you're going to Columbia, you need to understand about the FARC, you know, the FARC, what, what are their techniques, tactics, procedures, or TTPs? Well, they don't usually kill prisoners, but they do take prisoners all the time and they'll take them into the jungle and they'll keep them until they get high ransoms. And that's how they pay for their, you know, uh, for, for, for their insurgency. So when you're, you know, understanding that, you don't want to put yourself into a situation where you're so far from the Colombian police or the Colombian army that you could easily be overtaken by a FARC, uh, you know, company or platoon and, you would have nobody to come to your rescue. You'd be, you know, and so if you're, if you're traveling around for business or whatever in, in a country like that, you need to understand that. And then you need to, you know, amplify your situational awareness and amplify your security, at, you know, uh, accordingly. If something were to happen, you know, you kind of just think it through. And I always try to do that wherever I'm at and whatever the situation, I just think it through. What would happen if, right? 
And then you go over the steps in your head and you'd be surprised how just doing that mental rehearsal in your head will make you so much more ready if something ever did happen than having no clue. Because what is panic in the first place? Panic is just a reaction that people have because they don't know what to do. It's just a, a lack of understanding. It's not necessarily fear. It's fear of knowing what to do. Really, the number one thing I think you can do to mitigate risk in traveling is to understand how to protect yourself, understand how to, uh, you know, if, you, if you're going to carry a weapon, understand how to use that weapon, understand how to, you know, how to use your hands and your body to protect yourself and to protect those, those that you love that you may be with. It will make everything else you do so much less risky, if that makes any sense to you. I'm not sure if I'm being clear about that or not, but. Yeah, no, you know, it makes, the, yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, and, and you know, it's, it's essentially you're talking about, I mean, this is all stuff that people can do well ahead of time too, right? Like, because we're talking about training, we're talking about checking things out before you get there, which is a lot different than what most people do when they're traveling abroad, especially for things like vacation. They might plan like, okay, I've, yeah, we want to go to the museum and we want to go to the beach. We, we know the, the activities we might want to do, but people typically don't plan beyond that in their preparation. Like they don't think about security necessarily when they're getting ready to travel. Exactly. You know, are you going someplace where is there going to be a, a have you looked at the news, you know, the local news? Sometimes you can't understand it. Have you gotten somebody to translate it or at least tell you, hey, I want to move from, you know, in this area. You don't have to tell them what your route is. You know, that's, of course, I understand OPSEC. You may not want to say, hey, I'm going from here to here to here to here. Although there are times when you do want to leave your itinerary with certain people. That may not be one of them, but you definitely want to find out what's going on in the areas that you plan to visit on your trip. Because, you know, just like we said earlier, you know, just having that knowledge is mitigation in itself. Just understanding, okay, there's going to be a demonstration. Because how quickly can a demonstration turn into civil unrest, turn into a riot, looting? I mean, we've seen it happen in our own country millions of times. Maybe not millions of times. I'm a little bit of a, <laughs> you know, exaggerator on that one. But, I mean, it happens a lot, you know. So, yeah, those are all things you can do, but definitely route planning and good intelligence beforehand. But the number one thing you can do to mitigate any risk, no matter what it is, is just those simple things of understanding your, you know, getting good situational awareness, understanding your operational environment, and training to protect yourself and your family. If you train to do those things, everything else will come. Don't make yourself a soft target. If you walk out and you walk around and people can see, you can see confidence in people's eyes. You can just tell if a guy is just not somebody you necessarily want to mess with. I'm not saying to walk around like you get a chip on your shoulder, like you're a badass. I'm just saying have that quiet confidence of knowing that you're able to, you know, protect yourself and your family. And don't ever have false confidence. False confidence means you can't back it up with action. The only way to have true confidence is to actually have the training, and then remember, all training is perishable, everything. Yeah, it all lends back to, like you said, you know, training and, 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 and maintaining your training also. That's awesome. And that, you know, it's really important also for people that think that they go away for maybe a weekend tactical shooting course or something like that, and then, boom, it's under my mm -hmm. belt. I got my certificate. I'm good to go. I can now shoot moving targets, or I can now shoot multiple targets. And so exactly. that's really good advice for people to, you know, don't, you know, this stuff is all, it's all very perishable. You've got to get that in your long term. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, listen, everybody, we're talking with Brian Morris of knuckledraggersurvival.com about being the gray man when traveling 
to avoid being targeted by those nefarious characters out there. And of course, we have a lot more coming up, including how to create a virtual cloaking field around yourself to stay off the radar of any potential attackers, how to fine tune your own threat radar to get early warning that you've been spotted and targeted, and escape and evasion tactics to quickly get out of the danger zone and back to safety. All that and more coming right up, but first, check out this special message. <laughs> In any disaster, crisis, or attack, your life and the life of those you love could solely rest on the survival gear you've acquired. Do you have the proper gear to protect you from the threats you'll face? Whether it's preparing your home against the destruction and mayhem of a city in chaos, or you're bugging out to a safer location when a natural disaster forces you from your home, the supplies you have right now could ensure your survival or seal your fate. Don't take the risk. Claim your free copy of our exclusive guide, Survival Gear Secrets, at survivalgearsecrets.com and discover the seven-phase survival gear plan every family must prepare for or face the consequences. Five no-bullshit warning signs that a collapse is headed your way, so you're already in action long before your neighbors even know what hit them. And how to know exactly when it's safer to stay at home and shelter in place. Or get in the family bug out mobile and get the hell out of Dodge. Your fellow citizens may be fine with sleeping in a crowded stadium waiting for FEMA to hand them a granola bar, juice box, and a blankie. But you know that no one can protect your family better than you can. If you're properly prepared with the right supplies and equipment to ensure your survival. Don't wait until it's too late. Find out what's missing from your survival gear plan by grabbing your free copy of Survival Gear Secrets now at www.survivalgearsecrets.com. And now, back to our show. Okay, we're back with Brian Morris of KnuckleDraggerSurvival.com talking about threat avoidance, escape, and evasion strategies when traveling outside your local area, especially when traveling abroad. Now, we're just getting started, so let's go ahead and jump right back in now. So, so Brian, we've talked a lot about the preparation and stuff. We talked about a lot, like what makes us stand out in different areas. But, you know, what I want to know now is like the physical stuff. Like when I'm traveling abroad um, or even domestically, but really what, like when I'm, I'm traveling maybe in another country or someplace that I'm really not familiar with, physically, what are some of the ways that I can blend in as much as possible with the surroundings around me? Sure. Yeah, you know, I would say um, one of the biggest things you do is, you know, when, what is it, when in Rome, you know, act like the Romans. So mm -hmm. if uh, it, you don't necessarily have to wear exactly what everybody's wearing. I mean, if, if you go to a Middle Eastern country, for instance, you know, people generally dress in a particular way, either for ethnic or uh, religious reasons. You don't, I'm not saying that you have to, you know, get a burqa if you're a woman or uh, anything like that. But on the other hand, if you are in a Muslim country where Sharia law is followed, um, you know, or an Islamic country, then you probably should wear, you know, a, a headscarf. And I'm not saying that to be sexist. And, and you have to understand that they don't look at it as sexist either. And, you know, I would say if you have a problem with this, if you're a woman, you know, just compare it to this, right? If you, if you come to, uh, if you go to Europe, you can go onto a beach as a woman and take your top off and nobody will say anything. It's completely normal, right? But if you did that in America, as a woman, it would be considered, you know, indecent exposure. If you're a man, you could take your top off. Nobody would say anything to you in America, right? So it's the same thing. It's not about being sexist. It's just the customs of that country. So 
the number one thing you can do is respectfully adhere to the customs of whatever country you're going to to as much as you're capable. I'm not saying you have to, you know, go way out of your way, but you don't want to do anything that is, you know, obviously an issue. Americans do tend to dress pretty flamboyantly when compared to the rest of the world, and you need to understand that. So, again, it goes back to research. Research where you're going. Research what people wear. You know, what's the, the of your age group? What is the generally accepted garb? And adopt it for your trip. Now, does that mean that, that I'm asking people to, you know, hide what they are? No, I'm just saying delay it, okay? Delay anybody understanding what your background is. Don't, you don't need to give that information away. The other thing people forget is that, you know, Americans tend to talk to anybody when they're on a plane. Somehow, you know, it's like you're in some kind of a good, boy, good old boys club when you're on an airplane. That person is suddenly safe to tell your entire life story to because, you know, you're nervous of flying or whatever. Don't let your guard down. It's not even always the person that you're sitting next to, but you don't know who's sitting behind you who's sitting in front of you that's listening to your conversation, you may be the only American on that plane that's headed to another country. Just yeah. talking about what you're doing, who you are, where you're staying, you can, you know, in an in a, in a eight, nine, 10 hour flight overseas, you can get a lot of information about the guy behind you or in front of you, or whatever, if you're paying attention to it. If you think about it before you say it, then you probably won't say it. But you know, the, and the big thing is just understanding that there might be other people listening to you, that there's a possibility you know, just assume the possibility that somebody wants to do you harm. And it could be it could be as simple as they want to, you know, break into your hotel room when you're not there and take your computer or your money to something way more devious. Like maybe it's a terrorist and they, you know, they, they know now they know you're going to their area, their place that they're comfortable with. Now that they know kind of where you're going to be, maybe they're going to snack you up. And who knows? They could use you for propaganda. They can try and hold you for ransom. They could kill you as a signal to the, you know, the, to the West. There's all kinds of bad things that can happen that you could have prevented just by keeping your mouth shut. So yeah, one of the biggest things that you do is just watching what you say. Yeah, that's that's really that's really interesting. I had really um I really thought about that because it's not just how you look; it's also basically sound. Because we think about like blending in as the gray man, so you don't stand out physically like how you look, but. A lot of people don't think about it. you could do the same thing by standing out. Everybody's been in like a, um, like in the airport or something, and somebody's on their phone and they're just talking like they like mm -hmm. 70, 70 decibels higher than what they normally would. And you know, you do that same thing. And if you figure you're on the phone talking to your spouse in a foreign country, and you're saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, we'll be. Um, I'm I'm leaving the hotel now. Um, we'll be we'll meet back here tonight. Hey, I, over there. I'll, I'll tell you, they they go into this zone." especially in airports and things like that when they're traveling where they think, or when they're on their cell phones, you just see people in general. They think when they're on their cell phone, nobody can hear them. Somehow they have some kind of weird cloaking bubble around them and it's just not the reality. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. The other thing that stood out for me, uh, I just wanted to add in there was there's a difference between um, an American in the know, like looking like, yes, obviously you're, you're not Asian, you're not from that country, but you, you, it's, it could be understood that you are actually from there, you're doing business there, but you, you're street smart, in other words, versus like the stupid tourist who heads on a swivel, they're looking all over the place, their you know, kids are running all over the place, they got Mickey Mouse ears on. So there's a difference, you can still be like an outsider, but not Absolutely. like an outside outsider is one thing that. And I, there's, I there's really two, there's like, 
there's like two types of that person, right? So you got the, on the one hand, you got the guy that's nervous as hell. He's less, even though he does stick out, he is targeting himself. At least he's got the situational awareness to realize that he's in a bad situation. On the other hand, you got that guy that is just floating on a cloud. He thinks he's in a movie or something. He doesn't realize any of the threats that are around him. And, you know, he's just completely oblivious. He's, he's in his own world. Head is off the swivel. Situation awareness zero. That guy, he's really dangerous to himself. Well, you bring up um, something kind of leads me into my next question with you. Um, because I have, I, I was in a situation now it wasn't, it wasn't abroad. It was in domestically. I was in New Jersey at a, at a bus station and I just kept noticing this guy kept looking at me. I was in the line going up to, you know, waiting in, in this long line. There were like four different lines there waiting to get my train ticket to go. I don't even, I think I was going from uh, New Jersey back to, um, like I was trying to get back to, uh, I was Fort drum 10th mountain division. And mm-hmm. so this, this other guy in the line kept, I just noticed he kept looking at me. I kept catching his eye, catching his eye, catching his eye, catching his eye. And um, it just like, it kind of freaked me out. And I was on my guard, like, okay, this guy is up to something. And then when I went over to my, um, to the train, it was actually, it was a bus. I'm sorry. It was a bus depot. I went over to the bus and then that guy came over and approached me and he said, Hey, are, are you in the, are you in the military? And that immediately let my guard down. And I was like, yeah, I am. And um, I said, I'm heading, I'm heading up to uh, back to New York, back to Bay. And he's like, Oh, I'm heading, to, I'm heading to Germany right now. And I was like, Oh, really cool. So um, you're, you're heading. To the, what unit are you going to be with? I asked him some questions, and he he knew something about the military. And he said, Yeah, I've got my 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 papers right here. And he had a big Manila envelope. And so he we chatted a little bit, and then he said, You know, what? I'll be right back. I'm going to go ahead and um, here, will you hold on to my papers for me? Because I'm just going to go grab something from the store over there. So I held on to his papers. And um, he came back and he said, hey, man, do you I was talking to some little old lady at the same time. He came back and he asked me for like, hey, man, do you have um, do you have any money on you? I need like one hundred dollars. I they don't have change for what I've got here. Uh-huh. Um, what do you have? And it's like, um, well, I don't I don't have one hundred dollars on me. I've got you know, I've got a 50 and a few 20s. He's like the 50 will do the 50 will do. So I gave him my 50 and and then they took off and then I waited and I waited <laughs> And I waited and then it was like, yeah. okay, everybody on the bus and the little old lady was like, that wasn't that a little weird that you gave him $50. Like, well, <laughs> I have his discharge papers right here. Yeah. So we got <laughs> on the bus and I opened up the paperwork and it was just nothing but newspaper in there. Yeah, and I was true. like, oh, son of a bitch. Yeah. So here's my question yeah. to you. What are the warning signs that I've been spotted as like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm somewhere else. Great, great, great question. Yeah. So, so what should I look for? First off, act, we're going to change your name. Okay. So you're no longer Jeff. Your name is now Mark. Okay. And the reason okay. I'm calling you that is because you, you are Mark. Okay. And what I mean by that is that a scam artist marked you. Now let's talk about why he marked you. Right. Mm-hmm. He, he obviously, he saw you and you do stand out, right? You're a military guy. I'm going to assume you had either your infantry. So you probably had a high and tight haircut, right? Close to it. I, I have I have my high and tight. I have my I have my basic okay. training shirt on with me on my. Okay, there you go. You get you get your high and tight. You got your army shirt on. You know you're obviously standing out as as a soldier. So yeah. why would he mark you? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Okay, number one, soldiers tend to be very polite to people. They want to help people. You know that's a that's a, a normal thing, especially for a young soldier, right? They're a little bit naive. 
Um, they, 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 you know, they tend to be young. I'm going to assume you're, you're young at the time. Young, dumb, and full of cum. Yep. Right. There you go. Exactly. Right. So you're walking around, you know, you, you're Superman in your head, right? But not to kick ass, just to, you know, you just feel like it, you, you would do things to help people out. This guy identifies you. Obviously, he's staring at you. So, you know, in the future, I'll tell you this, man, if somebody's like staring you down like that, sometimes, usually I tell people to, to, to back away, right? To not to instigate an issue. But sometimes you just got to be forward. Can I help you? You know, and if you say it like that, it does kind of put people on guard and he'll probably move on to another mark. Okay. So sometimes being polite is not the best thing you can do. Right. It's, it, it, especially stateside with, you know, with, uh, when somebody's targeting like that. So the guy's look, he's looking at you and he's deciding basically, is this guy a hard target or not? Right. So he, he just looked at you. He saw you looking at him, looking away, looking, looking away. You said you're getting uncomfortable. Right. Those are all visual signs you, you may be thinking it but it does show visually when you look at somebody and then they break the stare they look away it's a sign of of nervousness so that lets him know that you are uncomfortable you are nervous which emboldens him so he approaches you he approaches you he mentions something about the military because you've got it written all over your body and you come back with a very friendly answer right yeah you don't say why? Why do you want to know? <laughs> none of your damn business. You know, you don't, I'm not saying you had to go, none of your business, but you didn't question him. Why do you want to know? Yeah. You know, you came right out and started talking about, yeah, I'm stationed in Fort Drum. I'm going up there. You? And so he, so now he sees an opening. It's like a cold contact, like a salesman, right? He's an opening. He starts talking to you. He gains your trust to a point, right? Now you have this, we have this uh, uh, thing in common. He found this common denominator, both somehow in the military, even though I don't know what he showed you, but a packet, right? But you probably didn't know at the time. You know, he knows that you're right. naive to the ways of the military. He knows that you're young, so he knows that you probably don't have the training to, you know, identify when somebody's trying to do these kind of things to you, right? And this is in the states. This guy is just it's a crime thing, right? So he he identifies you as an easy mark, and then he just uses a scam that he's used on a hundred other people, which is, you know, and, and the only lesson of that is, you know, don't give people money. Don't, it, there's so many scams out there, get on the internet and you'll just, you would not believe how many scams there are. And the, you know, young people and old people are the biggest victims to these. And it, it, it's really should be pretty transparent when somebody comes up and says, you know, their car broke down and they got it, they need some money for gas or they had their wallet stolen and they need some money to go see their sick grandmother. You know, it, these are all just scams. Well, I think, right. so, so let me ask you this. So let me ask you like, like uh, actions on contact. So, cause this can happen mm -hmm. anywhere, but I mean, the first sign, I mean, in fact, the, my, my radar went up right away anyway. Like, Hey, this guy's, this guy's looking at me. He's looking at me. He's looking at me. He keeps looking yeah. at me. Like there's like, there's a red flag that went up and he found a way to go underneath that. But let's say that I am out traveling and I do mm -hmm. notice somebody. So that is one of the warning signs. I would say, if you see somebody, if you're catching somebody's eye multiple times. Yeah. He's obviously watching. looking you up and down for something. Right. Right. But now so the question you, is, you know, do? what is he, is he, then you have to look at what is, what is his, you know, what verbal cues is that guy giving you? Because hell, if you're a guy and there's a woman or hell, if there's a guy looking at you, I mean, these days, you don't know, maybe, maybe she's coming on to you or, or he's coming on to you. Right. The key indicator 
in any scam is that they're asking you for money. It's somebody you don't know and cannot vet or verify who they are and their legitimacy. You've never met them before and they're asking you for a significant amount of money. It's a scam. Sure. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, I mean, I want to tap into some of your, like, uh, some of the serious skills that you had. So if I am sure. out and about and I do, I do think that this per, I, I suspect, so I don't have any physical contact with this person, but I see somebody kind of either I notice them following me or I notice them keep looking at me. What are some, uh, what are some simple like evasion techniques that people can do to not be noticed? Like basically they, if you assume you've been targeted, how can well, I? Well, you don't even if you haven't. If you're evading, somebody has either noticed you already, or you're trying to get away from. Have somebody that that knows you're in the area or is looking for you, or at least knows of you, not see you, right? So, right. I mean, the bottom line is, I mean, in generally speaking, we're not going to just evade from our from the movie theater to our car, right? But let's say that you're walking and you're let's say you're walking from you know point A to point B on the ground through a city at night. Right. Right. And your, your spidey senses tell you, Hey, there's a group of guys in front of me, 150 meters. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're smart, you're going <laughs> to, there's no reason to walk into a situation like that, unless you're just trying to, to get into a conflict. Right. And especially if it's that far away, you can go somewhere else without making it completely obvious that you're trying to, 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 you know, bifurcate or, or just to split off from where they're at so if there's a, if you can make a right or a left or oh shit turn around forgot something in my car whatever you got to do don't throw it through that group that's because you, you definitely don't want to um you know a lot of times we put ourselves into bad situations but as if we don't have control of our feet you know you you can see things two three hundred meters away until Depending on the lighting and, and where you're at in the train, you know, you can pretty much have a kind of an idea of what you're walking into. Listen, I don't care how good you are at fighting, whether it's with your hands or with weapons, uh, it, it, whatever. There's always a chance. There's always a chance that somebody's going to get lucky. And I don't want to be somebody's lucky break, you know. So if you can avoid it, avoid it. When you can't, then you deal with it, right? That's why we train. We train so that when a situation comes that can't be reduced or handled in any other way, then, you know, we have to get physical. And, and that's why we train. Don't put yourself into a situation unless you, unless you can't avoid it. So avoidance is number one, right? And, and the only way to avoid is to be aware of your situation. Be aware of what's going on around you. Know what you see and trust your gut. If your gut tells you, hey, there's somebody, you know, up ahead that I need to avoid, avoid it. Now, here's the second thing. What if somebody's following you, right? So there's a lot of ways you can, that you can, can get rid of a tail, I would call it, right? There's a, now, you may be in a car, you might be on foot. So if you're on foot, for instance, you know, you can um, walk towards the crowd. That's like the number one thing, right? If somebody's following you and you see a bunch of people, go towards those people. You can easily, A, lose yourself in a crowd, and B, anybody that's pursuing you is not going to do it in a crowd of people. They're trying to separate you. Just like, just like that predator tries to separate the old and the weak, you know, uh, a Buffalo to jump on it and eat it. That's what that guy's doing to you, right? They're, they're trying to separate you from people. So if you can, if you can go towards people, go towards people. Um, if you can't, or you're just wondering, is somebody still following me? You know, you can stop 
in a, like a window, if it's daytime, stop in a, 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 if there's a window to a store, like a storefront, you know, pretend you're tying your shoes. You can look in the reflection of the, uh, of the window. If you're really high speed, you can buy glasses. Now I just saw them on the internet. It's like sunglasses, but you can actually see behind you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but I mean, there's, you I know, if, if you're, things, man, I just wish that they were a little bit more stylish than the, the blue. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that technology's coming, you know, where yeah. it'll, it'll be, but you know, for right now, I'm just talking basic trade craft stuff, you know, like just, just no, you know, losing, you can go into a, a mall or something like that. Um, go into a restaurant. If you really know that you're being followed by somebody now, you're trying to, you're trying to, to lose somebody that is actively pursuing you. You know, now you got to get a little bit more aggressive. You know, you might go into a restaurant, um, go through the kitchen, go out the back door, go into a movie theater, go out the exit. You know, you're trying to do things that are that that they may not suspect, or you're going to try and slow them down. Um, you could uh, change your appearance really quick. So if you're wearing something like a bright colored shirt, you know, either take it off, throw it somewhere, chuck it, so that you know, grab something else along the way that you can cover yourself with. Um, Try and change your appearance as much as you can. If you can get a hat someplace, get a hat. You know, if you can go into a store and purchase a few things really quick to, to you know, look different um, and then try and blend into a crowd and, and, and come out like that, you can do that. Um, if you're in a vehicle, you know, you should be going towards the police or the consulate or something like that. If you're overseas and in the States, go towards the police station. Um, if you don't know where the police station is, you know, everybody's got a phone these days, pick up, you know, Google Maps or something like that, and it'll pretty much tell you where the closest police station is. So no excuse. Call 911 if you can. Find out whenever you go overseas, you know, you should already have those numbers, the consulate or the embassy, um, the police, fire department, all that stuff. You need to put it into uh, your phone. You can call uh, most of the major carriers, Sprint, AT&T. You can call them and tell them, hey, I'm going to the country X. And they'll give you like temporary uh, plans where you don't really have to pay a whole lot of money at all. I just did it recently. And uh, you can speak on your phone. You can use your phone in that country. And you're not getting charged ridiculous rates. And then I put all those important numbers on my phone. So I have them on speed dial. You can, uh, I, I say, you know, as you're trying to lose that person, if you're in a car, you know, you might go and you're just going really slow, 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 green, yellow yellow, 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 speed through, and then it's red, you know, or, or wait right until it turns red and then go. So that basically it's not that you're trying to get them to not want to break the law. It's that you're trying to have vehicles going already the other direction that cuts them off. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, I do have another book. My, uh, uh, a really, uh, this is going to be great because it's actually the first book that I've got that is a really big you know, well-known uh, publisher. Mm -hmm. So I'm expecting it to get, you know, a decent amount of, of uh, exposure, unlike my other three books that, that were, you know, unless you're into that kind of stuff, you know, not everybody's going out and uh, actively seeking out those kind of books. So but bottom line is um, I've got a new book that's coming out. It should be out in September, I think. Um, I, it'll be hitting the, the shelves in, before Christmas. It's, they're talking about September, October, um, when it hits the shelves. And, uh, it's called the uh, Green Beret Pocket Survival Guide. So take a look out for it. Um, it's by uh, uh, Skyhorse um, Books, and uh, it, it'll be out this, this fall. But it's, it covers all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really big on, uh, you know, escape, 
uh, hostage situations, how to, how to, uh, you know, how to establish rapport, how to, um, escape, how to, uh, how to get through an interrogation, how to, what to do if you have a, a situation where you've been rolled up by, um, say a, a government, like a governmental detention situation. Yeah. And I'll talk about, you know, home, how to secure your home, how to, how to, uh, you know, keep your home safe uh, from crime, how to target terrorism in the United States. Yeah. All good stuff, man. All good stuff. Uh, listen, everybody. Uh, so one thing that um, I'm going to, we're, I'm going to think I'm going to start doing this here is, you know, I always do these podcasts kind of selfishly because I'm a perpetual learner. Like I'm always trying to just learn new stuff. And that's why we have a network of over 120 different um, expert instructors out there like Brian coming onto the show selfishly, I'm just trying to learn new tips. So what I always think I'm, I think I'm going to do now on is just kind of give you my best three takeaways of what I wrote down notes for as I was going through. You can either use them. You probably have something different for you. It's all okay. I just wanted to share my big points here. Um, so point number one um, was kind of like changing their plan. Like if there, is, or if there are plans out there because there are um, organized networks of crime everywhere you go. And so if it's, if it's at a hotel somewhere or even a resort, um, change their plan. If they have a plan for targeting tourists um, when you get checked into the hotel, see if you can check into a different room than what they planned on putting you into. So obviously it doesn't work if, you're, uh, if your spouse got you all hooked up for the honeymoon suite. You're not going to say, okay, no, I want the, the broom closet version on the, on the uh, other floor. But nonetheless, there are ways that you can be there alone. opportunities to be able to kind of take people off the track of what they would expect you to be on. Uh, tip number two I wrote down was watch people around you and their own reactions to the environment that they're in. So if you, if you look around and you see that people are a little on edge or if they're quiet, um, you'll look, look at the way people are reacting to the scene where it is right there. If it's an area that's not very well populated, but it looks like it should be, maybe that's because people are kind of staying at home because things might be tense in the area. Hopefully your, pre, uh, your pre-work will, will show some of that ahead of time, but nonetheless, be aware of the people around you and what you're doing. And the other thing, I, um, tip number three that I took here is not just look at your look. Of course, you want to tone things down instead of wearing bright pink tops and bright pink shorts with your black loafer, your black socks and loafers, um, toning down your physical appearance, but also it's also how you sound. You can be the gray man or gray woman with your voice as well. So you want to keep your voice down. If you are on the phone, recognize that people tend to, to talk louder. And also the information that you give is being heard by other people around you. We kind of get into these like kind of tunnel listening when we get on the phone. And it's things like that that can really make a big difference in, in you projecting out what your plans are going to be, what, where you're most vulnerable, what other people are doing, and just even just drawing attention to yourself because who the hell is that loud person? Hmm, must be a tourist. This is somebody, this is my next mark. So those are, there's three things that I got over here. I'd like to hear what your best tips were. Make sure you go on over to our blog and in the comments section there, give me your top three points that you found from today's broadcast as well. All right. And one other thing that we're going to start doing, or we just started doing actually this week, um, is going into lightning round. So we can get a little bit more of a personal touch to the host or to the guests that we have on. So Brian, I have three questions here for you. You have not been prepared for these, and you're not supposed to be, but I have three quick questions for you here, and I just want to hear what your answers to them are, okay? So okay. 
Question number one, what is your primary concealed carry gun and caliber? My primary concealed carry weapon is an F92 Beretta 9mm. I know it's a very big weapon to carry concealed, but I'm also a very big guy. And when I carry it, you probably would not notice that I had it. I use it because that was my service weapon for many, many years. And because of that, I get very, very comfortable with it. Awesome. Good answer, man. Okay. Uh, lightning question number two, Star Wars or The Godfather? I, I'll give you a, my, my mom's an astrologer. I'll give you one of her answers. Well, I'm a Gemini, so <laughs> I, I like them both equally. Now, I, I, honestly, I love The Godfather. I, I've watched that so many times. Um, okay. I would have to say just through my own actions, because I would like to say Star Wars, but I'm just haven't watched it that many times. I watched The Godfather probably once a year. Gotcha. Or so. Okay, last question. Most disgusting food that you've ever eaten on purpose? Oh, man. There's so many. <laughs> um, okay. Most Number disgusting one. food I've ever eaten. On purpose. On purpose, yeah. I got gotcha. you. I'm going to have to go with a grub. Well, the grub, actually, the grub wasn't bad, cooked. But uh, believe it or not, a, an earthworm. I ate an earthworm raw. I was doing a class actually on how to clean out an earthworm. Because a lot of people, when they eat worms for like survival, so, like you watch guys like Bear Grylls, he loves to just like pick things up and eat them. <laughs> right. And that's cool, I guess, man, but it's just not for me. Right. So I like to, <laughs> I like to purify it as much as I can. If I can cook it, I will. But this particular class I was given was a hand to mouth class where I was just showing people, you know, how how much protein is out there um, in, in any given environment that you don't really have to work very hard for. Because that's one of the things that people do as a mistake, I think, in survival is they use up a lot of energy, you know, trying to, to kill something for meat when they can get the exact same amount of protein from, from insects and bugs and, and, uh, and worms, right, for that matter. So in this case, I was showing them how to uh, clean a worm out. What I mean by that is you put a worm in water for a couple minutes, it'll purge all that black crap that's in there when you hook it, when you're fishing. You know what I'm talking about? All that muddy looking yep. stuff that comes out. They'll purge that stuff in the water. And it's a lot, not, a lot less gritty when you eat it. Well, I picked it up a little too soon. So it had all that black grit inside of it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was not very appetizing. It was, it was pretty horrid tasting. Yeah. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with that, man. Got it. Awesome. So listen, everybody, what other podcasts can you listen to where you also get earthworm eating tips? Huh? Not going to find it. <laughs> Only here. So Brian, thanks so much, man. I appreciate all of the uh, information. Really great stuff. Listen, everybody, Um, obviously, you we're talking about a wealth of information here. And you definitely want to go check out not only Brian's books, but the training that he has out there. And I'm, we're, of course, going to get him back on the show when his new book comes out as well. But definitely go over and check out his stuff over at www.knuckledraggersurvival.com. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. 
and we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.